Today we're going to be kicking off our Christmas series. Who's ready for Christmas? Let me hear it if you are ready. You know, uh, when it comes to Christmas, you're either one of two characters, right? There's no in-between. You're either Buddy the Elf or you're the Grinch, right? There's no in-between. Which one are you? I want to know. Let me know in the comments. Are you Buddy the Elf or are you the Grinch? Well, no matter which you are, I'm so glad that you're with us and I'm really excited to be beginning our brand new Christmas series together because regardless of what you feel about the holiday, let's be honest, right? It's all about one thing. It's all about one person. The Christmas parties are fun. Getting gifts, giving gifts, that's awesome. That's great. The decorations, they're beautiful. But at the end of the day, it is all about Jesus. And we love to make a big deal about Jesus, don't we? And it's a great day to make a big deal about Jesus. Any day is a great day to do that. Ain't that right? Well, this Christmas season, I thought it would be fun for us as a church to watch a movie together. <laughs> well, at least to watch a few clips from a movie together. The movie's a Netflix original. It's called Jingle Jangle, which was just released last year. Before I go any further, I think I just need to help explain to you, in case you're wondering, why are we showing movie clips in church? Or in case you're wondering, what am I getting myself into? What kind of church is this? Let me try to break it down for you. Well, one of the things that I personally believe is that church can be fun. That going to church shouldn't be a chore. You should be able to look forward to it. Another thing that I really believe in my very core is that God's truth, that His Word is timeless, but that we can communicate His truths in new, fun, and interesting ways. The same gospel message, just a different delivery. And here's the thing. Movies are modern-day parables, and Jesus being the amazing orator that He was, He always used parables, or He always used stories to communicate important truths. You can say that we're just following an example of Jesus by doing the same thing. So are you guys ready to watch the first clip? Are you guys ready? Let me hear it. Well, Jingle Jangle is also a musical experience. So I, over the next three weeks, I chose three songs that we are going to view together. And then we're going to try to attempt pull out, to pull out spiritual truths from each of these songs that we can apply to our lives. The movie centers around an eccentric inventor who's betrayed by his apprentice who steals his greatest invention. In the process, our main character that's played by Forrest Whitaker, he loses his magic. And this is because his inventing magic was fueled by belief. And he loses all faith, he loses all belief, that is until his granddaughter comes into the picture. And while I don't want to ruin the rest of the movie, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm not trying to give you guys too many spoilers. But let's begin with this clip right here. Still can't explain what I feel if this is really real. Nothing's ever gonna be the same. I get to say goodbye to the struggling life. Say hello to the sky, spread my wings and fly away. Even though life's been knocking me down, I had to figure it out. See my way through the hey, doubt. And when it seems I'm lost, turn it round Could this be happening now? Cause all my life I waited for this day. Tell me, what do you do when everyone's counting on you? The decisions you make, the give and take, the promises kept and the ones that you break are the hardest to take. But who will always be standing by you? 
Right here, we see a younger version of our main character, Geronicus. And he's celebrating because of his breakthrough invention, and it has arrived. This invention is going to be game-changing. It is going to change all of their fortunes. They, they've been down on their luck in the past, but now everything is about to change, all because of one event. In fact, here's a lyric that's from the song. You may have caught it. It says this. It says, forget about yesterday. It's dead and gone away. The only thing that matters is right now. You know, when I look at the Christmas story, if there's any person in the Christmas story that I see who was down on their luck, who was overlooked, or who was outcast, it's Mary, the mother of Jesus. But all of that changes the moment when God chooses her to birth Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. There was nothing particularly special or glamorous about Mary, However, God, in all His grace and His sovereignty, chose her to be the vessel to carry the Redeemer of mankind in her womb for nine months. And Mary knew this, and the reason we know this is because we have the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, uh, she goes to visit her aunt Elizabeth, who is also expecting a child. And during her visit, she breaks into a song. And essentially, she breaks out into worship of God. She begins to worship God through this song, thanking God for choosing her to birth Jesus. 
And she says this. Let's read some of her song together. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 49. It says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because He has looked with favor on the humble condition of His servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and His name is Holy. You know, two things stick out to me in Mary's words here that I think ring true for every single one of us. The first thing is this, and that is that God looks on us with favor. God looks on us with favor. The same way that if you have children, you look on them with favor as well. And not because they're better behaved than other children, not because they are more beautiful or more intelligent than other children. You favor your children simply because they're your kids. And God looks down on us with favor. And that favor is what extended to us His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. What does this mean? It means that God chose Mary and He also chooses you. He has favor on you. You see, the Christmas story begins here. And that is with us recognizing that nothing within us desires to pursue God. This morning, when you woke up, you had a fight within you. You had a million different excuses keeping you from tuning in to Swerve Church online, to worshiping with other brothers and sisters in Christ. You had a battle to crack open your Bible and follow along with today's message. And you're a Christian. There's nothing within us naturally that desires to pursue God. And the psalmist knew this. He said it this way in Psalms chapter 14, verses 2 to 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise, one who seeks God. The psalmist goes on to say, all have turned away. All alike have become corrupt. You see, guys, left to our own vices, 10 out of 10 times we would reject God. Over and over again. And this is where the Christmas story begins. The Christmas story does not begin with you joining God in heaven. It begins with God entering our mess, entering his own creation to redeem us. God finding favor is him saying, these are my children. They don't know any better, so I am going to save them. It's like if you see your kid giving an electrical outlet a wet willy, right? What do you, what do, you do? You don't look at the kid and say, oh, look how cute. Look at him stick his cute little finger into that outlet. Que lindo, looks amazing. No, you don't do that. You yell at him. You say, stop. You say, back away. Don't do that. You pick them up. You move them out of the way. You slap their hand. You make sure that they don't do it even if they cry, even if they pout, even if they throw a tantrum. It doesn't matter. Because you favor your child. You love your child. And you know what's best for them. And you know, sticking their finger into an electrical outlet is not the best idea. Or it's like if you have a pet, if you have a dog, you favor your pet above all other dogs, you know that chocolate is very harmful for your dog, right? So no matter how much he whimpers, no matter how much he gives you those sad puppy eyes, you don't just give in, right? Treat him to a chocolate buffet. You don't give him chocolate to his heart's content. No, you remove it from him. You, you drop it on the floor, you pick it up right away because you know that that chocolate is very harmful to your dog and you favor your dog. Listen, if, 
If you're here today, it's because God has favored you. He has chosen you. And there is nothing in your natural heart that desires to pursue God. But God loves you and he favors you and he chooses you. So the question that we've got to wrestle with today is what are we going to do with that favor? Now that he has chosen you, how will you respond to his choosing? Here's what Mary did. She chose to worship God. She worshiped God for his favor. She realized that there was nothing particularly special about her, but she chose to magnify the Lord, she said, and to allow her spirit to be rejoiced in God, her Savior. The second thing I think that we can take away from Mary's words is that God calls us from broken places. Let's look back at her song. Let's read this once more in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and on. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because look with favor, and look at this next part, on the humble condition of his servant. Here's what we know about Mary. At the time that the angel appears to her and at the time of her pregnancy, Mary is just a teenager. In fact, most scholars and historians believe that she was probably somewhere between 16 to 18 years old and honestly, maybe a little bit younger. What does this mean? It means that she's young. It means that she's inexperienced. You know, even if you have a lot of siblings and you're the older sibling, the jump from being a sibling to a parent is a massive jump. It's the amount of responsibility she would have to undertake. It would have been enormous. We know that Mary came from a poor family. She doesn't come from a family of a lot of wealth or affluence. And she's engaged to a guy, Joseph, who also doesn't come from a family of a lot of wealth or affluence. And this means that they don't have many resources or means, maybe just enough to get by. They come from a poor family. We know that Mary's reputation was on the line. Being betrothed to Joseph meant that she had promised to be married to him. And it was a promise from Mary to Joseph and Joseph to Mary that they would remain pure. You know, nowadays there's such a little respect on purity. There's such little respect on God honoring sexuality or God honoring marriage. But this certainly was not the case in Mary's day. They would have had a biblical view of marriage. The understanding is that two people would save their bodies and remain pure to give themselves to their spouse on their wedding day as a commitment to one another and to God. But Mary, only being engaged, how would she explain to others the fact that she is pregnant and still not married? How would she explain it to Joseph, the man that she loved? Her reputation was on the line. And yet this is where the Christmas story begins. It begins with origins of brokenness. Jesus is born to an impoverished family, moves to some middle of nowhere town. He's born in a manger into poverty. There's, there's messiness. There is brokenness. And yet this is also our story. And this is where God meets us. He meets us in our places of brokenness and our lives of messiness. God enters that. And here's what's true of all of us. We all have broken pasts. And if we're honest, if you're honest today, no matter how together you think you've got it, we presently live in brokenness. But the good news is Jesus the good news of Jesus, the good news of the Christmas story is that God meets us there. 
He enters our brokenness. This is the great news for us today. Because Christmas is the promise that God is with you right here, right now. It's not that Jesus is available to some false, fixed-up version, future version of yourself, but that He loves you, cherishes you, and that He is with you right now in your places of brokenness. And here's what that means for all of us. Jeronica is saying, forget about yesterday, it's dead and gone away. The only thing that matters is right now. And like he's saying for us, number three, the coming of Jesus signifies the start of a new thing. Hey, let me ask you a question. What's in your yesterdays? What occupies the space of your memories? No doubt, if you were to truly examine your yesterdays, you might find it to be full of regrets, full of shame, full of guilt, full of pride, full of manipulation. But here's the thing. The Christmas story and the coming of Jesus means that you don't have to live within the stories of your yesterdays. You don't have to remain stuck in your should've done's or your could've been's. You don't have to dwell in the past of your mistakes or your blunders or your sin. Jesus has come to start a new thing and he invites you into a new thing and you're invited to participate in a new thing and you guys know what the apostle paul writes in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 he says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away and see the new has come hey do you realize that if you are in christ you are a new creation You're not the sum of the past mistakes. You're not even a sum of the sins that you're going to commit tomorrow. The Bible said that you are a new creation. And this is what the Christmas story is all about. It's about a God so rich in mercy that He would enter our mess and perform a miracle. That He would make men and women who are dead in their sin alive in Christ. The Christmas story begins in a manger but progresses to the murder of Jesus on a cross. It begins with the gifts from the wise men of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but continues to the gift of Christ atoning the sins of mankind by purchasing our sin debt. It was His righteous death which atoned for our sin. And when they placed His lifeless body in the tomb, when they all, thought, they all thought the Christmas story was over, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus conquers the grave. So for all that would call upon the name of Jesus would be saved. And when you call on the name of Jesus, when you put your faith in Him, you can forget about your yesterdays because the old is dead and gone away. And the only thing that matters is right now. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then the greatest gift that you can unwrap this Christmas is the gift of God's grace and forgiveness that's found only in the person and work of Jesus. Not by putting your faith in religion, not by putting your faith in a church service, not by putting your faith in charity or good deeds, but only by putting your faith in Jesus. And if you haven't done that, then I want to encourage you today to put your faith in Him. Let's pray. 
God, I want to thank you for looking on us with favor, for choosing us, God. There was nothing lovely about us, but Father, you simply favored us and chose us. I thank you, God, for calling us from broken places. Lord, for those of us that are unable to realize our brokenness, I pray that you would help us see that today. And I'm grateful, God, that you go into the dark and dirty and lonely places, God. And there you meet us, and there you find us, and there you rescue us. And I thank you for making us new creations, God. Our yesterdays, our past sins, Lord, our mistakes, our blunders, they're forgotten. And instead, today you call us a child of God. Today you call us forgiven. Thank you for welcoming us into the family of God. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.